Welcome to Technology Transfer IP. Technology transfer is the process by which valuable research, skills, knowledge, and technology developed by educational institutions is transferred to industry for development and to products and services that will benefit society. From basic patent licensing to promoting startups, entrepreneurship, and industry collaborations, while also investing in and managing technology developments. We bring you conversations with the leaders in technology transfer who will share their stories, including their successes, challenges, and expectations for the future. Here's your host, Lisa Mueller. Hello and welcome. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Marcus Wanko, the head of technology transfer at Twist, which is the technology transfer organization for the Institute of Science and Technology, also known as IST in Austria. In addition, Marcus has been driving the development of IST Park, the technology park adjacent to IST Austria, and IST Cube, a science and technology-based seed fund. Marcus came to Twist after a 15-year career in investing in strategy. Specifically, Marcus's background is in venture capital investing with Safeguard Scientifics, the European Investment Fund, strategy consulting with the Boston Consulting Group, and principal investment with QIA, one of the world's largest sovereign wealth funds. In addition, over the course of his career, Marcus has supported a broad range of startups in the process, energy, and tech industries. Marcus has an MBA from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology Sloan School, a Master of Science degree from TU Vienna, and a Master's in Management from WU Vienna and HEC Paris. And with that impressive background, welcome to the podcast, Marcus. Thanks very much for having me, Lisa. It's great to be here. Well, thank you so much again, Marcus, for taking part in the podcast. I'm really excited to have you here. Uh, Marcus, I generally like to start the podcast off by asking my guests about their journey to tech transfer. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up in Austria and at Twist? Yeah, I'm happy to do. Um, so basically, it started um, in the US, actually. So I'm originally born in, in Austria, and I, I had my undergrad degree here. And then my wife actually got uh, got a Harvard fellowship, uh, which was, you know, hard to decline. And I wasn't sure, you know, how I should react to this. And then I... I applied at MIT and we you know, were lucky enough to spend two years in Boston together. And what I did at MIT really was, I mean, technically I did an MBA, but but really I I used the time to, you know, in type of guerrilla tactics, uh, do all different kinds of natural uh, science, biology and electrical engineering and media lab courses. And uh, and that was brilliant, and it totally, you know, fits my sort of disposition that I, I'm, I'm, I think, a pretty curious person, but I'm myself not a scientific person in the sense that I can dedicate, you know, ten years of my life to one particular narrow question in a way. So that was perfect, and then I, I ended up uh, sort of, you know, for a couple of years working in consulting and 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 investment, and. Um, and then, you know, after I think 17, 18 years or something, uh, we returned to Austria. And uh, and I thought, you know, I can continue sort of in this investment career path, but really I want to work with, with small companies. And uh, initially I thought I can work, uh, I would work as a business angel. But then I uh, 
basically got in contact with this new institution that was founded just 12 years ago now uh, in Austria, the Institute of Science and Technology Austria, which I can talk a little bit more about later. And that is just the perfect breeding ground for these type of tech transfer activities that I'm doing right now. So it was a long answer to your question how I got here. That's been quite a journey. And I think that's a good segue for my next question. Um, for those of our listeners who aren't familiar with Twist, can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, so, so Twist is really 100% wholly owned subsidiary of IST Austria for tech transfer. Um, so maybe I should say a little bit more about IST Austria. Um, I mentioned before that it was founded uh, 12 years ago, and it's really the the result of, a, an, of an initiative at the sort of federal government level in Austria to basically develop a new greenfield basic science institution. Um, you know, we didn't have that before. You know, other countries in Europe have something similar. You know, Germany has the Max Planck Society. Um, and for Austria, that was really new. And it was done really wholeheartedly, I would say, right? So there's a real commitment by, by uh, the federal government uh, to develop a you know, great institution. And obviously, in the, in the initial years, you can't tell, you know, which way is that going to go? And uh, is that really going to be able to attract top scientists? By now, we know that, you know, we were successful. Uh, I mean, IST right now has about 950 researchers. So obviously, we are still very small compared to, you know, all the big, particularly U.S. universities. But still, you know, we have 60, 70 research groups. We are funded to grow to 150. So that's that's still obviously, you know, <laughs> not, not huge, um, but it's a good trajectory. Um we are really broad, so we are across all the, uh, the natural sciences, biology, chemistry, physics, math, uh, also computer science, formal sciences. Um, and it's a great atmosphere to have, you know, a very interdisciplinary and multidisciplinary character on a fairly small campus, you know, all in one place. That's, I think, a great recipe for success. And that's what we are doing. And basically, Twist is, as I said, the tech transfer affiliate. And we have just started a few years ago to develop the tech transfer uh, activities. And now I think you also have a technology park that's uh, adjacent to IST Austria as well. That's called IST Park. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I'm happy to. So, so one of the ideas from the beginning was to really develop not just a narrow technology transfer function, um, but really, you know, the broader uh, ecosystem development um, at and around IST. And the park is one component of that. Um, uh, we are located a little bit outside of Vienna. Um, I mean, 20 minutes, so it's it's not really a distance, but still it's not within the city. And it was clear that if you want to attract companies, to our campus and also to allow spin-off companies to stay close to the institute, we have to develop uh, real estate. And that's what we did. So we end, entered into a joint venture with a, with a real estate developer. And, um, and yeah, just we completed the first two buildings two years ago. We are now in the planning phase for a third and a fourth building. And in total, it can develop up to 25,000 square meter, I think. 
That's really impressive. And and I think something else that I found very interesting was that, that you've also been involved in developing a science and technology-based seed fund called ISTQ, which I'm assuming is part of this bigger plan um, along with the technology park. Um, can you tell us a little bit about ISTQ? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm happy to. So that's really the, the other bigger development. So the one IST park that was really you know, facilities and real estate and, you know, also fully equipped labs uh, for spin-offs. And then Cube is a venture fund. And um, and the background to this is both that, that we that we see that particularly for really, you know, scientific or deep tech type of ideas, um, it is good to have people on the investment side who you know really understand the the substance matter, right? So whatever this uh, idea is coming from, um, plus the venture capital landscape in Austria is historically very poor. Uh, so I mean there have been you know for the last decade I think these statistics uh, of G- uh, venture capital investments uh, per GDP. We are, you know, consistently in the lower third um, of all OECD countries. Um, so we thought that's actually a good opportunity to address both, right? So we have people on it on our original uh, tech transfer team who are really great uh, and also I think are very good in contributing, informing investment decisions, and then helping the companies to develop. And on the other hand, we you know we can do something for the venture capital landscape and just establish a new player. And we found that there is uh, sufficient and actually overwhelming, I would say, uh, interest uh, by investors um, to become limited partners of the fund and, and commit. And um, we yeah, so it's all pretty fresh, right? So we we closed it a couple of months ago um, at 45 million euros. Which, in the context of seed funds, you know, and uh, in the European context, is is fine. It's obviously not a huge fund yet, and uh, we'll see what you know the next generation of fund then brings. Yeah, that you're off to an impressive start, and and I think I just wanted to follow up and and ask you. Besides the IST cube, um, you mentioned you know venture funding is kind of difficult there in Austria. Um, I'm assuming. Um, our, there are some other funds and other fundings available for startups there? Yes, there is, um, but not a lot, right? Um, I think it, it is possible to find money, right? Particularly in times like this where money is chasing, you know, ideas and projects. Um, it's not hard to find, um, I would say, any funding. Um, what is hard, just because it's rare, is to find really, you know, um, sophisticated and and well-trained investment teams that can actually really help, you know, as I said before, scientific and uh, deep tech ideas, right? So from the very beginning, right? So from uh, really understanding the technology, um, being able to make a real judgment, you know, where this is sort of from a global state-of-the-art perspective, and then have the network to really help these, you know, quite specific companies and teams to develop. So that's rare. And I think this is where we can, as a team, uh, contribute. So I wanted to switch gears and, and go back and talk a little bit about tech transfer in Austria. And, and I'm curious, Marcus, how um, 
tech transfers handled in Austria and, and how you would say it compares to other countries like the US or maybe the UK? Yeah, so it's younger, definitely. <laughs> um, and so practically, you know, when you think that Baidol started uh, basically the legal setting um, in the US in the in the early 80s, uh, I mean, that uh, point in time uh, on a comparative basis here in Europe would be the early 2000s. So here in Austria, the um, the law was passed or a, a similar law was passed in uh, 2002. And, um, and with this, um, most universities started to develop a proper tech transfer function. And it took a while, obviously, for, for you know, the organizational development to happen. But now I think we've reached a point where, you know, every university has a tech transfer office, um, you know, staffed with people who have been doing this for a while. So I think all the processes are, are established. Um, one of the specific elements, I think, of the Austrian both academic and sort of uh, general business landscape is that we, you know, we have a, a pretty high number of SMEs and, you know, not a lot of industrial giants. In, in that sense, you know, the Austrian landscape is quite different from, say, Switzerland, for instance, or, or also Germany. And many of these companies have close ties with universities uh, historically. So there is a very rich tradition of sort of joint uh, collaborative research, you know, with these companies, which is a great conduit to, you know, transfer particularly um, sort of incremental innovation uh, into sort of uh, uh, the, the business landscape. It's not such a great setting, obviously, for, you know, spin-off companies with really disruptive ideas. And one of the areas where I think the system is struggling a little bit now is, you know, there is an increased appetite by investors, also by the government. Um, there are also good ideas. Um to be developed in spin-offs, right? And this is where, you know, some universities are, are struggling, so we don't have clear rules um, on, you know, should universities take equity for license uh, agreements or not? Uh, are they equipped to actually handle equity and so on? That's that's still an area where we are certainly less developed than, you know, the, the big universities in the U.S. So what about, you've mentioned the government, the Austrian government a couple of times. I'm curious how involved they are in tech transfer. It sounds like, you know, obviously there's very, a lot of interest by the Austrian government. You have a Baidu-like act. Um, how about uh, currently and going forward? What What's their role look like? Well, I think one of the things that's important to see is that uh, most universities in Austria are state universities, right? So the government has... Theoretically, at least compared to private universities, a very direct link into shaping in the development. But then, of course, within that setting, the universities are still acting quite independently. So although the government has, um, you know, I think repeatedly uh, and, you know, in different you know, successions of, of, of ministers, um, made quite clear that technology transfer is a very important, uh, you know, basic mission also of universities. Um, you know, very often it doesn't really go beyond sort of stating these, you know, general uh, uh, missions in a way. Uh, and it's then up to the universities to really, you know, develop proper structures, processes, also allocate resources and so on. 
Um, so yes, I think you know, the government you know, is generally supportive, um, but then it's really up to the universities. So Marcus, I wanted to turn back to your office a little bit. Can you tell us how your office is structured and perhaps how many individuals you have in your office? You will be surprised. I mean, it's it's tiny. <laughs> I had a feeling. <laughs> um, yeah, so we are basically organized in verticals. Um, you know, we have one uh, great colleague of mine who is, who is looking after life sciences. Uh, Ingrid is actually a trained patent attorney and extremely helpful in the um, in, in our team. Um, we have a person, Bernard, who is looking after computer sciences, who has an entrepreneurial background, uh, which is also great because, you know, in this domain, you know, most activity is actually happening through new uh, companies. And having somebody who has actually run a spin-off um, is really helpful. Um, and then we have two further people uh, to support us, but that's really it, right? Um, the only way how we can operate, I think, at that very small scale is because of the fund that we mentioned before, right? So we have the fund um, who has a, a great management team of people uh, as well, and we have sort of have mutual agreements um, uh, between these two entities where we can basically leverage the entire team across both activities, and that in total is then 10 people. Wow. Yeah, it is. It is definitely a tiny office, but it sounds like you're getting a lot done. You might be small, but it sounds like you're mighty. And um, one of the things I, I saw on your website is you also have a fellowship program as well, don't you? Yes, we do. And that was actually one of the sort of innovative things that we started a couple of years ago. Um, out of the sort of consideration that the really scarce resource um, in this sort of um, translational uh, phase is time by the original inventors, right? So the postdoc uh, or the students who actually came up with the idea and who might be the people who actually transfer that idea into reality. And I mean, as I said, that typically they are postdocs, right? So you're talking early thirties, you know, starting a family, being worried about the next, you know, faculty or postdoc position. Um, I should also say that we have a very strict regimen at the, at IST that we really have, you know, a very hard stop for postdocs, right? And, and you know, they cannot apply for faculty positions here. So they are, you know, towards the end of their postdoc period, they are on the way out. But that's exactly the period, you know, where things are actually potentially happening. So we thought, you know, how can we find a way to keep these guys, you know, that are really the the, the absolute heroes, right? And and the one type of people that can make that happen at the institute for a little longer. And and it is a little longer. So we are talking about a year or you know potentially a little bit more. Also because I don't think that the institute has the role to really you know fund the development of a company. Um, but for this translational phase where you know people are wondering also from a personal perspective should they shift careers um, or switch careers and, you know, really start the company? It's good to have some time for that, right? And also practically just to, to uh, apply for grants that then can actually kick in, um, you know, once they're ready to go. That's And that turned out to be a good idea. Sounds like it's a great program. Uh, it really does. Um, 
I wanted to also ask you, uh, Marcus, um, going back to your office a little bit, uh, if you could tell us how many invention disclosures, patent filings, royalty revenue, things like that, that your office had in the last year or last five years. Uh, um, so it's important to see, you know, this against the context of a very young institution, right? So 10 years ago, you know, ISD didn't exist or 12 years ago. Um, so obviously things need to develop over time. In terms of numbers, we are now looking at, you know, a dozen, two dozen disclosures a year, roughly. Um, so these are obviously not huge numbers. And and licensing revenue is not a category we are talking about, right? So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Not not because it's confidential, but because obviously if you're starting from scratch, you know, that's not the first metric that you apply. But I think what's, you know, even more important in that phase in the development of an institution is really, um, you know, first the structural and procedural and legal setting that this is fine, but also culturally, right? That, you know, we we find the right common ground with our researchers. And IST is a really um, you know, basic research institution. And many people, uh, particularly in the faculty, are here because they enjoy this absolute freedom in, you know, totally independent from industry, do what they think is right. And I totally subscribe to this. So that's that's really, the, that's absolutely mission critical for IST to be able to attract globally top talent, right? And, and then, you know, managing this intersection, you know, with people who are coming with this, you know, mission and background, and still make sure that, you know, for those that who really want to see their inventions uh, develop into something, you know, real, um, you know, that you have the right, you know, uh, mechanisms and, and also attitudes, right, uh, to make that possible. That's important, I think, in these first years. Um, at least from fast, that's more important than sort of, uh, you know, quantitative metrics, which for sure will become more important at some later point. Well, switching gears, Marcus, I wanted to ask you, what do you think is most important in managing innovations to give them the greatest opportunity for success? Well, off the bat, I would say well, many things, but but two things that that I would think of immediately. The one is to find the right partners for this, right? Because clearly, uh, regardless if you develop this as a spin-off, and then obviously if you develop this with a partner, the choice of partner is absolutely critical. Um, and for us, it's important to really be looking um, for partners at the global level. It's easy, particularly in the setting that I mentioned before, where Austria sort of has this SME type of business landscape. It's, you know, that there will be the easy way to search if there is somebody close by. But really, our ideas are, I mean, like any sort of uh, state-of-the-art research ideas, are really very specific. And there is a very small you know, subset of, of corporate partners that are just the right fit for that. And that's important to find them. The second is, is you know, is people, obviously, right? So we talked about the fellowship program before, but making sure that the people who are, you know, really, who really understand um, you know, not only you know, the technical detail, but also the, the potential um, of a particular technology, um, just, uh, you know, stay motivated and incentivized to really 
uh, structure their career development, you know, in line with the development of, of a particular technology. That could be as a as a founder, it could also be sort of to join a corporate partner, right? But but it's important that this one person or these few persons really, you know, see the sort of the paramount importance of you know developing that uh, that innovation. Um, so these are two things. I think the third thing, which we as a as a tech transfer office can uh, you know make a contribution to, is is really the the IP side of things, right? To to make sure that you know things are you know protected in 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 a maybe not in in, in sort of in the classic way where you know you want to count patent filings as a, as a quantitative metric, but really look at the business potential of the idea and try to find the best, you know, uh, IP basis for, for actually deploying that business idea. Well, Marcus, I want to go back and touch on something you mentioned. Uh, you were talking about finding the right corporate partner. Um, can you tell us a little bit about some or give us some examples of some relationships that Twist has with some corporate partners? Yeah. So as I said before, um, IST is really, I mean, it's, it's small, but broad, right? So we have biology and neuroscience sort of on the life sciences side. And I think in this dimension uh, or in this vertical, um, the relationship with corporates is is a bit more structured and also has more tradition in a way. Um, so we have, you know, usual relationships and, and cooperation agreement with, you know, some pharma partners. Um, on the computer science uh, side, we don't really have sort of structured relationships, um, and it's a bit more uh, well muddled. Is probably too strong, <laughs> but but uh, um, you know things are not that structured, right? So you have people who move between the you know the corporate and academic world, um, and that's something we we also want to support, right? Uh, I think these two areas. And that's obviously a generalization, but and there are things in between, but they you know work differently, and we really want to you know provide solutions for these different requirements. So I also want to ask you about uh, some of the fun things like success stories. Um, can you share with us maybe some of su- some successful technologies or startups that have come out of Twist? Um, yeah, I'm I'm happy to and. Although we're very young, there are actually a few. <laughs> I figured you probably had a few. <laughs> um, I mean, we have now we there are five companies total that have been started, you know, based in some way or other on on scientific research at the institute. There are actually two in the U.S. Um, that uh, you know our faculty people have been involved with. Uh, uh, one is uh, Chia, um, the, the blockchain company uh, that Bram Cohen started um, in Silicon Valley. Um, you might have might be familiar with them, which is basically uh, you know proof of uh, space and time rather than proof of work logic. Uh, and our uh, one of our cryptography people has contributed really to the the underlying uh, logic of that network. The other is. A spin-off out of MIT, um, Neural Magic, um, which is basically disrupting the um, NVIDIA's uh, GPU business, I guess. And so these are two examples in the US. Here in, in Austria, we, we have three companies uh, all in the life sciences. So one company that is quite successfully developing 
synthesis for long-stranded DNA. Uh, they're called Britain. And then we have two companies. One is uh, looking at the development of solid carriers, sort of as a really new target class uh, for, for uh, drug discovery. And one is looking at what's um, called neural magic, at the development of diagnostic and screening tools for neurodevelopmental uh, disorders like autism or epilepsy. Those are really um, exciting um, companies that are coming out there. But uh, with great success, Marcus, also comes some challenges. So I'm, I'm curious about what some of your office's two biggest challenges are. I don't know, really. I mean, when we, when we talk internally, we all feel that we are in some type of honeymoon phase, I think. <laughs> you don't want that to end, right? <laughs> no, because, you know, we, we started a few years ago. Um, the things initially all worked out. So we are, you know, we are building this park and we have raised this fund. So we are, uh, right now we are just doing the 11th, um, sorry, the 12th investment out of that fund. So all the portfolio companies are also still in this, you know, initial honeymoon phase of sort of tech development before, you know, real market realities kick in. So right now, no, there are no really big challenges, right? I think the the biggest challenge probably is to make sure that these initial successes, if you want, um, don't trigger too, you know, too high expectations. Um, and I'm I'm fortunate that I think my board and uh, also the basically the entire governance of the institution really understands that you know developing this tech transfer ecosystem is a really you know it's a very long term development right which you measure in decades and not in years and um, and so far I think we are very lucky to have that and you know just because we were a bit lucky in the beginning maybe it doesn't mean that overall everything will go quicker right so it's it's just a constant thing we have to make sure that you know every year we take the right steps and we you know we don't burn big fires um we just you know develop step by step steadily so Marcus, I wanted to switch gears and ask you about diversity, equity, and inclusion, because this is a topic that's being discussed in tech transfer offices all around the world. Um, do you at Twist have any programs to help encourage and assist women and other traditionally underrepresented inventors and entrepreneurs? So this is a big topic at our institution. Um, and it also has to do with sort of the um, the the broad spectrum of disciplines, I think, uh, just because in life sciences and uh, biology in particular, and sort of math and computer science, there's just a, a historic uh, discrepancy, right, in, in sort of male and female uh, representation that we also struggle with, I have to say. So so we are very aware of this. Um, in, in the tech transfer setting, um, so the 10 people that I mentioned before, um, are actually 50 50, um, you know, men and women. But obviously, that doesn't work across the entire hierarchy and the, the things that we can improve as well. But, but it's a really good starting point. And also, in terms of sort of um, ethnic um, diversity, we, you know, we have an Italian and we have an, an, an Indian uh, colleague uh, trained in the US and uh, an Irish colleague. So it's actually quite, you know, diverse uh, team. So we don't think we need at the at the level of the office sort of special programs um, uh, for now. But uh, but let's see how that develops. It doesn't 
it doesn't come automatically, right? So I think we have to consistently just take this into account in every, you know, in every hiring and every promotion decision that we that we take. So Marcus, I wanted to switch gears and ask you about what organizations, things like Autumn and LES that you're involved in and what value you think they add. So I'm actually a director of Auden. I think I'm in my second year right now. Uh, so Auden has this tradition of having uh, one international director on the board. And I thought this is actually really interesting just because of that sort of transatlantic link, um, you know, for us is really relevant. And since the the U.S. has started the development, you know, way earlier um, than, than we did, as we discussed before. There is also there's clearly benefit for us in learning, you know, from what's happening in the U.S. But you know, things have evolved, right? So it is, I think, now um, sort of a more genuine mutual interest, and I, I feel this also on the board of uh, of Auden, um, that there is actually a great interest in what's happening here in Europe as well. So I think. You know, particularly in times like these, the you know exchange you know between countries and across the Atlantic is actually really, really relevant and important. So, Marcus, do you have a view on credentialing things like registered tech transfer professional or certified licensing professional, and do you think it makes a difference? Um, so, we have one um, RTGP on our team. She would. She is great, and she would be just as good if she didn't have that credential, I guess. But um, but yeah, I think it's it's the feature of a of a you know fairly young industry. I think um, which you know as we said is is you know way younger in in Europe and still has to you know develop its sort of career uh, patterns. Uh, where these type of designations can certainly make a difference. Um, so yes, I think this is a positive development. The broader question, I think, behind it is, you know, what is the real sort of career trajectory for tech transfer professionals? Um, and that's something, you know, that is also a long-term development because obviously, you know, it takes a decade, you know, for people to develop and then, you know, maybe switch industries and see how they can develop there and so on. So the jury, I think, is still out. Because um, at least what we see here in, in Austria is that, you know, in, in many universities, this is actually a quite administrative role, um, you know, staffed with people, not exclusively, but um, primarily people sort of from the university administration. And uh, I think one important development is that you know, people with, you know, industry uh, and, and IP background really, you know, discover this as, a, as an interesting career trajectory for them. And for that, the career trajectory has to be interesting, right? Otherwise, for sure. This will be a dead end. Well, Marcus, I generally like to close the podcast by asking my guests if they could have any three wishes granted or a vision realized for their office, what would that be? <laughs> We actually bought a really great coffee machine already, right? <laughs> so that you got wish number one is taken care of. Yeah, exactly. So so if we, you know, look towards more profane things rather than this super important uh, element, I think it's just really, you know, further ideas coming out of our and other institutions and every new invention, every new idea is is. Um, and that's really our lifeblood, right? So the more we have, the better it is. Second, you know, even more 
entrepreneurially inclined students, postdocs, people who you know who are who are open and brave enough to you know start something from scratch. That's you know we are also happy about each individual person that comes forward. And wish number three, I guess, having the coffee machine already, I guess it's really. <laughs> It has to do with sort of our university administration, right? So people who, you know, continue to see the long-term trajectory, right? And uh, and really are here to support us sort of in the long term. Well, Marcus, I can't thank you enough for all your insights and time today. This has been an absolute pleasure. It's been a delight talking to you. If any of our listeners want to reach out and ask you any questions, where can they reach you? Well, best is to drop me an email, um, which I can... You know, tell you now or we can post it somewhere but it's marcus uh, at ist-cube.com great well thank you so much again marcus it's been really great to have this opportunity to talk to you thanks very much lisa it was a pleasure to be here thank you for listening to technology transfer ip please visit us online for more resources at techtransferipforum.com New to Tech Transfer or a seasoned pro? Autumn is the global member organization for Tech Transfer and is here to help you get connected, get smart, and get ahead. Whether you work in academia, research, government, business development, corporate engagement, or startups, Autumn is dedicated to supporting you through education, advocacy, networking, and promotion. Join and you'll receive 20 free live webinars, as well as meaningful discounts on meetings and courses insider access to a vast network of colleagues to help you through challenges, and a line on new technologies and the university decision makers who license them. Membership is open for 2023. Join us.